Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. America! Hey! Yeah. Hey! At ease. Get me in your car. Put your safety belt on. Welcome to Whitlock's Weekly Firestarters. I know you hear this voice. I know you made this choice. That's right, it's me, Uncle Jimmy. I'm back in the place to be. Hey, listen up, man. Thank y'all for listening. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Go to theblaze.com. Buy some of this gear. We're getting this fearless army started, okay? By the way, that sound you hear, that's good ranchers, baby, in the house. On Monday show, Terry Bradshaw's statement on Aaron Rodgers and the lies within this culture. I want you to take a listen to this and see what Big Wit has to say about it. All right, even at age 73 and four decades removed from his last meaningful football game, Terry Bradshaw remains the most important voice discussing America's national pastime, professional football. From his perch as the lead analyst on Fox Sports' NFL pregame show, Bradshaw's football's Walter Cronkite. For football people, losing Bradshaw's support is the equivalent of Cronkite losing faith in the Vietnam War and President Lyndon Johnson following the Tet Offensive. On Sunday, Green Bay quarterback Aaron Rodgers, he lost Bradshaw. The Hall of Fame quarterback took a massive dump on Rodgers for being intentionally misleading about his vaccination status. Take a listen to this. I, one, I give Aaron Rodgers some advice. It would have been nice if he'd have just come to the Naval Academy and learned how to be honest. Yeah. Learn, learn not to lie, because that's what you did, Aaron. You lied to everyone. I understand immunized. What you were doing was taking stuff that would keep you from getting COVID-19. You got COVID-19. Ivermectin is a cattle dewormer. Sorry, folks, that's what it is. We are a divided nation politically. We're a divided nation on the COVID-19, whether or not to take the vaccine. And unfortunately, we've got players that pretty much think only about themselves. And I'm extremely disappointed in the actions of Aaron Rodgers. Mm. Uh, Bradshaw's rebuke of Rodgers made news everywhere. Bradshaw's cohorts, uh, cohorts at Fox Sports joined their senior colleague in criticizing Rodgers, who missed Sunday's game while he recovers from COVID and follows the NFL's protocols related to COVID. The Fox Sports gang served as an exclamation point to ESPN's week-long condemnation of the reigning league MVP. The sports media establishment has spoken. Aaron Rodgers is a gutless, selfish liar, unworthy of defense or sympathy. He's a pariah. Previa Health dropped Rodgers as a sponsor. This past Sunday, State Farm Insurance slashed its uses of Rodgers in its national TV commercials. 
After weeks of appearing in 25% of its commercials, Rogers appeared in just 1.5% of the insurance company's ads. Aaron Rodgers is well on his way to becoming the new Colin Kaepernick, a polarizing quarterback for taking an unpopular stance. There are differences, however. Rodgers is the main reason the Packers win games. The team was on a seven-game winning streak before Sunday's loss to the Chiefs. Kaepernick lost 16 of his final 19 NFL starts. The other major difference is Kaepernick never lost the support of Terry Bradshaw or the sports media establishment. Here's a couple of clips of Bradshaw talking about Colin Kaepernick. Felt like he felt it was a spectacle, that it wasn't really about him auditioning to get a job. And when when Colin moved the the, um, workout an hour away, just a handful of teams showed up. So what that did, what that tells you right there is the rest of them weren't interested. It was all, it was pretty much just a show. And I don't blame him, I don't blame, listen. What do you think about Colin Kaepernick becoming GQ Citizen of the Year? Uh, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. He uh, he opened up the eyes of a lot of people, both good and bad. And I happen to think good. And uh, he has paid the consequences. He's uh, not playing in the NFL. And. Uh, People won't touch him. They don't want to deal with all the trauma. (sighs) Kaepernick remains beloved by the sports media establishment. Outsiders criticized Cap and were vilified as anti-black racist for doing so. President Trump ripped national anthem protesters. Fox News pundits chastised Kaepernick and his supporters. But the sports world circled the wagons around Kaepernick. NFL owners joined players in taking a knee. NFL owners financed criminal justice vanity projects for players. Roger Goodell arranged a special audition for Kaepernick. The league eventually paid Kaepernick several million dollars to go away. Nike hired Kaepernick as a pitchman and created a signature shoe line for Kaepernick. The establishment has hosted a five-year pity party for a quarterback with a career-losing record, no Pro Bowl appearances, and no real desire to play football. If Aaron Rodgers was as mediocre a quarterback as Kaepernick, the Packers would cut Rodgers today, and Terry Bradshaw would join Jamel Hill, Bomani Jones, Dan Levitar, Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, and Keith Olbermann in applauding the decision. Rodgers is universally hated because he misled the public about his personal health. Rodgers' alleged lie did not harm anyone as far as we know. He didn't pass the coronavirus to a teammate, a secretary, a janitor, a cheerleader, or an assistant coach. He duped the media. That's his crime. Kaepernick, meanwhile, contributed to a false narrative about policing. He helped foster the lie that the American police officers are wildly and randomly killing large numbers of black men during routine stops. 
Kaepernick increased America's racial divide and politicized the lone area of American culture, sports, that had been relatively free of political polarization. When it comes to negative influence on American culture, who or what has done more damage? Rogers' vaccine status or Kaepernick's knee? It's not even close. But we live in a society defined by the lies supported on social media. January 6th was Pearl Harbor. Men are really women if they believe it in their minds. George Floyd is a hero. Black Lives Matter cares about black men. The flu disappeared and 700,000 people died from COVID. When untruth becomes endemic to a culture, we should not be surprised that good people resort to deception. Aaron Rodgers is Jack Nicholson in the movie A Few Good Men. Rodgers misled because he has no faith the media can handle the truth. In this country, medical conditions and procedures were intended to remain private between a doctor and a patient. In a year's time, COVID hysteria erased a long-held standard related to medical privacy. AIDS didn't erase medical privacy. COVID, a disease with a 99% survival rate, erased medical privacy. Rogers is unworthy of defense and empathy? He's a pariah? Why? Because we're being trained and programmed to never challenge government authority. The consequences of disobedience are being spelled out for all to see. The establishment loves Colin Kaepernick. Even Terry Bradshaw is forced to feign appreciation for Cap and express disdain for Rogers. We live in a world defined by lies. I, I want to end by playing a little soundbite from someone who used to be a rebel, who used to be anti-establishment, but now he's a global elite just like everybody else. And this will let you know how far the culture has moved, where we've moved in America. Howard Stern, fart man. Howard Stern, who used to be a rebel without a cause, is a global elite that's calling for Aaron Rodgers to be kicked out of the NFL. Listen to this. I was so worked up over the weekend about this uh, Aaron Rodgers of the NFL. I don't even know where to begin with that story. I mean, this guy, I don't watch football. Sorry, I'm not a big fan. I know the guy's a real good football player. That's why they put up with his bullshit if I yeah, ran the NFL, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. So, yeah, you know that he's important to the franchise. If I was the, uh, you know, if there was decency in this world, you know, I would throw this guy out of the football league so fast. What he did to his fellow teammates and, you know, bravo, Terry Bradshaw, for what you said and everyone else who's got half a brain in this country. But this guy they should throw him out of the league so fast <laughs> if there was decency in the world Aaron Rodgers would be thrown out of the NFL on Tuesday show 
Jason heads out into uncharted waters. He tackles the Kyle Rittenhouse situation, and I think you'll be interested in hearing what he has to say about it. On August 25th, 2020, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, Kyle Rittenhouse shot and killed two white people and injured a third. Uh, the shootings occurred during the mostly peaceful arson, looting, rioting, and violent stage to protest the police-involved shooting of Jacob Blake, an unarmed but knife-wielding black sexual assaulter who peacefully fought with police officers as they tried to arrest him. In the days following the shooting of Blake, Antifa and other white liberal agitators descended on Kenosha to assist in the mostly peaceful destruction of the city. Rittenhouse, then just 17 years old, joined other law and order conservative volunteers in descending on Kenosha to thwart the plans to burn the city to the ground. In the streets of Kenosha, Black Lives Matter hosted a fight between white outside agitators and do-gooders. BLM played the role of legendary boxing promoter Don King pitting Tyson Fury versus Rocky Marciano. Rittenhouse won the fight via the three knockdown rule. His first opponent tried to wrestle his gun away. Rittenhouse shot him four times and killed him. His second opponent clubbed him with a skateboard and tried to wrestle his gun away. Rittenhouse shot him once and killed him. His third and final opponent approached him with a gun and pointed it at Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse shot him once and severed a bicep. A prosecutor in Wisconsin has charged Rittenhouse with a laundry list of crimes, including murder. Rittenhouse and his attorneys have claimed self-defense. The trial is in its second week. By all objective accounts, it's not going well for the prosecution. Rittenhouse's third and surviving victim admitted on the witness stand that he pointed his gun at Rittenhouse before he was shot. Based on images from inside the courtroom, the admission visibly devastated the prosecution team. But there is a somewhat surprising twist to this court case. The Rittenhouse murder trial is somehow a referendum on racial justice. It appears that white liberals who die in a dispute with a white conservative are posthumously granted black status. Rittenhouse killed two white people and injured a third, and he's being portrayed as a white supremacist. A segment of the black population that lives on Facebook and other social media apps are treating the Rittenhouse trial as an extension of the George Floyd Derek Chauvin trial. The conviction of Rittenhouse seems to be as important as the acquittal of O.J. Simpson. A black man purporting to be George Floyd's nephew posted a video to Facebook claiming that there are people inside the Kenosha courthouse identifying and photographing members of the jury. Let's hear from Cortez Rice. I ain't even gonna name the people that I know that's up in the, in the Kenosha, I mean, in the Kenosha trial. But there's cameras in there. Yep. It's definitely cameras up in there and there's definitely right. people taking pictures of the juries and everything like that. We know what's going on. So we need the same results, man. We need the same results. Justice for Dante Rice, justice for Austin. 
Rice's video feels like a threat. Jurors will be doxxed and harassed if they don't convict Rittenhouse of murder. We've reached a level of absurdity where black Twitter cares more about white on white crime than black on black crime. With the death of his alleged uncle, Cortez Rice launched a career as a Black Lives Matter activist. Rice was so moved by the death of his uncle that he abandoned his plans of medical school, bought gold fronts, started a GoFundMe page, and reimagined himself as Al Sharpton 2.0. Black Lives Matter claims to be about protecting the sanctity of black lives. In reality, the movement is really white perpetrators matter. There apparently is such a shortage of white perpetrators committing violence against black people that BLM has adopted cases that have nothing to do with black victims. Kyle Rittenhouse shot three white people who attempted to disarm and attack him. I can't for the life of me understand why any black person would have their emotions tied up in this case. There's only one possible explanation. If you see the three white victims as your saviors, then I understand your passion for retribution. I use the word retribution intentionally. The Rittenhouse case isn't about justice. Black boys and men are gunned down daily without a concerted effort to demand justice and or conviction for the perpetrators. We have no problem, none whatsoever, overlooking unsolved murders or unjust acquittals when the perpetrators are black. We cheered, O.J. Simpson's acquittal. Are we gonna cry and riot when, if Rittenhouse is acquitted? If so, we will further frame ourselves as racially insane. We've allowed cable news, social media apps, and the leftist politicians to use race-bait narratives to wrap us in a constant state of racial delusion. We think race explains every human interaction. Our actions, values, culture, self-esteem, and faith are all irrelevant. Race Anon explains America. We've joined a conspiracy theory cult that has convinced us a gun battle between white men in 2020 is really a Civil War reenactment. On Wednesday's show, back in the news again, Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat McAfee show, and once again, he let his stance be known, and once again, he let it be known loud and clear that his freedom is more important than his privilege. In the words of Jason Whitlock, ow! NFL quarterback, Aaron Rodgers' Tuesday interview with podcaster Pat McAfee caused me to reflect on the value of freedom. Rodgers, of course, has been embroiled in a controversy the last week. He tested positive for COVID and it became clear he was unvaccinated. Previously, he'd concealed his unvaxxed status by telling the media he had been immunized against the virus that poses virtually no threat to a 37-year-old healthy professional athlete. Uh, last Friday, Rogers appeared on McAfee's show and explained why he didn't take the vaccine. He criticized cancel culture, the woke mob popular on Twitter, and the NFL's illogical COVID protocols. 
He voiced the concerns of many professional athletes and ordinary American citizens. Yesterday, Rogers returned to the McAfee show and attempted to put the entire controversy to bed. Take a listen. And in one of your quotes, you said on Friday, the right's going to champion me, the left's going to cancel me, but I don't give a shit about either of them. Politics is a sham. In a roundabout, I don't know if that was your exact quote, but it was a roundabout. That has happened, by the way, and I don't have the ability to read or meditate, so I have been in the streets of the Twitter mentions of you for a while because obviously I'm getting tagged in a lot of them. That has happened, and it sounds like you have zero desire to continue to be a poster boy for anything like this. Is, is that an accurate assessment on the entire situation? That is, Pat. I'm a... I'm an athlete, I'm not an activist. So I'm gonna get back to doing what I do best. And that's and that's playing ball. Like I shared my opinion. It wasn't one that was that that was come to uh, frivolously. It involved a lot of study and what I felt like was in my best interest for my body. But um, you know, further comments, you know, I'm gonna keep between myself and my doctors and um, you know, I don't have any further comments about uh, about any of those things after this interview. Uh, did, did y'all see, did y'all just pick up on what just happened there? Aaron Rodgers just exercised his American freedom. He's free to embrace being an athlete. There's no pressure on Aaron Rodgers to be more than an athlete. No one expects him to be the next Muhammad Ali. That burden is only placed on the shoulders of black athletes. White athletes are free to be whatever and whoever they want to be. White liberals strip black athletes of that freedom. White liberals force black professional athletes to be more than what their life experience has prepared them to be. Great athletes spend their teenage years totally coddled. From age 12 to around 25, their primary focus is on maximizing their physical gifts, not their intellectual ones. Given the financial rewards of professional sports, it would be foolish for someone as big and physically gifted as LeBron James or J.J. Watt to spend an equal amount of energy on intellectual development as physical development. There's a short window to take advantage of your body. You have an entire lifetime to develop your mind. Aaron Rodgers, like Michael Jordan, wants to be the best athlete he can be while his body cooperates. Rodgers will worry about being more than an athlete when he's done earning $30 million a year playing football. Rodgers, he's free to do that. Black athletes, well, <laughs> they're the pawns of the liberal media. If black athletes don't pretend to deeply care about the welfare of a career criminal loaded on fentanyl and arguing with the police, black athletes are labeled as bad people, sellouts. A black college student with no criminal record must see himself when looking at George Floyd. <laughs> we must say to ourselves, that could be me. Really? George Floyd? could be you. See, white people are free to think whatever they want. They walk by homeless drug addicts on the street and feel no burden to deeply empathize with them. They're free to pursue happiness, success, and fulfillment. 
We, on the other hand, black people, must publicly pretend that we have all had a near-death experience with police. We're forced to live a lie. Living a lie compromises and inhibits freedom. It clouds the mind and provokes irrational thought and behavior. It's a lack of freedom that separates white men from black men. The left's focus on white privilege is a brilliant tactic to distract from and diminish the importance of freedom. According to progressives, privilege is the exclusive domain of American white men. In order to be truly equal, racial minorities, women, and the LGBTQ must have unfettered access to privilege. If there is ever a reiteration of Martin Luther King Jr.'s historic march on Washington, Al Sharpton will shout, privileged at last, privileged at last. Thank God Almighty, we're privileged at last. Truth is that what separates white men from black men in 2021 is not privilege. It's an appreciation for freedom and an understanding of how best to utilize it. America's most valuable commodity is freedom. Black Americans spent more than 300 years fighting for it. We won it in full in the 1960s when Dr. King's civil rights movement forced the erasure of state and federal laws that limited our God-given, constitutionally guaranteed inalienable rights. God-fearing men of integrity won the long war. The left immediately pivoted to denigrating the victory and redefining America's greatest resource as privilege. Freedom, according to them, <laughs> that's fool's gold. Who needs that? Real equality, fulfillment, and happiness can only be attained by those born into or granted privilege. The seeds for the privilege rights movement were planted 60 years ago. The movement fully blossomed in the last decade. Privilege rights activists popped up all across social media. Sean King, DeRay McKesson, and the LGBTQ founders of Black Lives Matter, all these guys rose to power. The left champion, Arthur Ta-Nehisi Coates, as the Martin Luther King Jr. of the Privilege Rights Movement. After wealth, fame, and Disney deals assassinated Coates' work ethic, Ibram X. Kendi bathed himself in the blood of Coates and assumed the role of Jesse Jackson for the Privilege Rights Movement. Colin Kaepernick, he grew an afro cast himself as Huey Newton, leader of the Black Panther Party. LeBron James, he read the first paragraph of Malcolm X's book, learned to pronounce the word systemic, and styled himself as Muhammad Ali. Seems like I'm mocking Kaepernick and James. I actually feel sorry for them. They've been lied to by corporate media. Many of the black sports journalists they befriend want black athletes to pretend to be more than athletes so that sports journalists can pretend to be more than they are. Aaron Rodgers has the freedom to demonstrate self-awareness and be exactly what life has prepared him to be at age 37. He's a great quarterback.
He's no one's dumb job. On Thursday show, well, what can I say? Jason just came straight off the dome. He went unscripted. He just went straight off the head on the Kyle Rittenhouse trial and how our men as leaders from Obama to Trump and Biden have failed us miserably. This is something you got to see. That's right, bro. <laughs> We're going to just take it. Time for our break anyway. You, you can uh, just relax for a minute. LeBron, that's a seven, 18-year-old or 19-year-old now. I can't, 18, 19. I'm not sure how old he is now, but it's a teenager. Crying on the stand. Feels like he's fighting for his life at this trial. Took a huge pair to take the witness stand. Anybody else, I'm sure his lawyers advised him, you don't need to take the stand here. The prosecution has been horrendous. The prosecution's lawyers, I mean, our witnesses have been horrendous. You're owed a not guilty verdict. If that jury comes back guilty, I would think there's a good chance the judge would object and say, <laughs> you know, say this is unconstitutional to convict this guy based off of what we've heard in this courtroom. Anybody watching the trial objectively and doesn't have their racial lenses on or doesn't have their political lenses on knows that Kyle Rittenhouse has a clear case of self-defense in all three of these instances. But teenage boy fighting for his life in a courtroom shows a big pair. This is how much he wants to prove his innocence that he even took the stand. Did O.J. Simpson take the stand? And I'm just telling you, innocent people or, or certainly guilty people do not take the stand in a court case this one sided where the defense is winning a landslide. The only reason why that dude wanted to take the stand is because he clearly believes he's innocent and he wants to erase any doubt and he doesn't want people saying he was a coward and didn't take the stand. So he took this a child showing a big pair and he needs to be discipled by grown men who will show him how to strategically use that big pair of balls he has. But that's not the culture we have created here in America. Men have allowed themselves to be eviscerated and emasculated and removed from leadership positions. And if they are in leadership positions, they lead like they're women. They tuck their balls in between their butt cheeks or wherever and lead like women. No one stands on truth. No one stands on integrity or, or just, we put Kyle Rittenhouse in this position where he felt like, well, I got to do something. And his mama, being what she is, a woman and a mama, and she, she has looked at her 17-year-old boy as a man. That's why she drove him to Kenosha. Because she d clearly can't say, this is just a boy. 
There's no man, or there doesn't appear to be, as far as I know, that was like interceding here and say, hey, this is a boy, this is a man's job, let me go to Kenosha. If somebody's going, but I'm not putting my child in harm's way. So everybody wants to have this discussion either uh, vilifying Cal Rittenhouse or celebrating Cal Rittenhouse. What we need to be dealing with is our failure as men and adults. And that starts with Trump, Biden, Obama, all the way down to whoever Kyle Rittenhouse's daddy is. And whoever Jacob Blake's daddy was or is. Whoever George Floyd's daddy was or is. Those are the failures. They have let this country down. Their refusal to be men and live up to the responsibilities of being a man and leadership. All of them, every name I just said, a failure. Throw my name in there. Throw your name in there. Every time you run and hide from the truth and allow this demonic spirit that's running through America, that's attacking all forms of truth, that are convincing you, yeah, if a boy, if a man feels like a woman, he's a woman and we have to pretend and go along with that craziness. That's an attack on truth, which is an attack on God. And you being a coward because you're, oh, I'm gonna get canceled. If I stand up for truth, if I don't hop on board with everything my company tells me to do, there will be more madness. And for LeBron James to use his platform to, to, to demonize this kid, to mock this kid, to racialize this trial, which is a trial about a 17-year-old white boy killing three grown white men and somehow it's been racialized. White on white crime has been racialized. And LeBron, we just saw Kenosha burn down a year ago, and LeBron James is throwing Molotov cocktails so that we'll have round two of racial violence, rioting, looting, and arson in Kenosha when this not guilty verdict comes. We're putting the, I think there's 18 jurors seated for this. 12 of them will vote. Those 18 jurors have been placed into the crosshairs because men have failed, including the prosecutor who's an absolute clown, who should have never filed these murder charges against Kyle Rittenhouse, but he knew that if he did his job and just evaluated the facts and the evidence and didn't file charges on Kyle Rittenhouse, he knew he would be in the crosshairs. So he's passing the buck onto the 18 jurors seated for this trial. They're in the crosshairs. And that's why you got George Floyd's play nephew or whoever the hell he is, pretending like or telling everybody, oh, we're taking pictures of the juror, 
we're, we're, we're doxing them that they're basically going to get after these jurors if they come back with the wrong verdict. We have allowed lawlessness and immorality to completely overrun our criminal justice system. Completely overrun. And look, is our criminal justice system perfect? Absolutely not. But this, this kind of vigilante justice, we're going backwards. We're, we're, instead, America has always been moving towards fairness. We're now going backwards because men are cowards. Men have been stripped of their faith, stripped of their integrity, stripped of their ability to stand up and do something about right and wrong. LeBron James wants to blame Kyle Rittenhouse. LeBron James needs to look in the mirror. Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Barack Obama, all need to look in the mirror. All of us that voted for any of those clowns, and I didn't, I haven't voted for one of them because they're all clowns. And I, maybe, maybe I'm a coward and I should have voted for some, but I'm none of them. Not qualified to provide the kind of leadership this country leads right now. If we don't start putting people in office, like the Glenn Youngkin in Virginia, like Winston Sears in Virginia, if we don't start putting people in office who are willing to stand on Jesus and the truth, and I'm talking about firmly stand on it, authentically stand on it, we're getting exactly what we deserve. You can vilify the other side all you want, right or left. You need to be looking in the mirror. Who are you sending to represent you and what you believe authentically? Don't talk about, well, best, I only had two, uh, two bad choices and this is the best of the bad choice. That can't be the standard any longer. Not if we want to save this country. I understand the decision from 2016. I really do. But moving forward, it has been made crystal clear. If you have any interest in saving this country, you better find some leadership that can authentically and legitimately stand on truth. If you don't, there will be more Cal Rittenhouses. There will be more Kenosha, Wisconsin's burning to the ground. We've hit a momentary pause because the Democratic Party cut a deal with the anarchists and Antifa and all that. That deal's about to expire. It's probably gonna expire when this not guilty verdict comes in. And riots and arson and looting and lawlessness is going to overrun the country all over again. They're not done. They just, well, we're going to do all this till it pop for, in, in front of the election. Then we're going to give you a year or so to get things together or, you know, implement all the promises you've made to us. And if those promises aren't met, they're going to start burning down the country again. And 
the clock is ticking. And there's only one choice for those of us that actually believe in this country and want to protect it. We have to be willing to stand on what we say we believe in. And that starts with men. We do thank all of you for watching. We thank you for listening. We thank you for making this show a part of your everyday life. Understand something, I told you this before. Being fearless is not just a word. It's not just a phrase. We've got to make this become a way of life. Thank you for listening. It's Uncle Jimmy Holland. Goodbye.